and welcome to the Dr. Squeeze Show podcast, featuring all the best bits from my radio show this week. Remember, if you want to listen in live and hear all the music which we have to cut out this podcast for rights reasons, please go to thebear.live every Thursday, 8pm till 10pm GMT. Thank you very much and enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the show with your friend and mine. So tell me, Dr. Squee, who's it gonna be this time? We like to hear you talk, and we love to hear you listen. And if you are not subscribed, you won't know what you're missing. So welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Headphones up. Here we go. Hi, this is Bill Obers Jr. and you're listening to the Dr. Squeeze Show here on The Bear. Stay tuned. Don't leave. Don't make me go all creepy on your ass. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Squeeze Show. I'm Dr. Squeeze and this is my show. Uh, I'm really sorry for the little bit of dead air there. Uh, we're having a few technical issues. I don't know if we're going live right now, so I'm just going to go over to the Bear Naked Ladies and the track Summertime and hopefully you're hearing this. Saving it up, savoring every ounce of sunlight what comes to be gradually feels like overnight summertime that was summertime by the bare naked ladies and we are indeed on air i'm sorry about that uh weird false start there uh basically what happened was i went on as i usually would into the app which we used to broadcast and suddenly all my preset stuff had just disappeared so the theme tune, everything I'd usually use. And then I went to go live. And what would usually happen with that is it would give a little flashing kind of light. And uh, that didn't happen either. So apparently my board's just reset. Uh, but it's working. So that's the main thing, eh? And I am joined for the big question of the week this week. Actually, let's let's do the proper open. So I'm Doug Squee and this is my show. Our guest this week are from the documentary Crop Circles Reality. That's Darcy Weir and David Calhoun. And uh, we had a wonderful chat earlier this week, uh, which we're going to play for you. Along with a few chats and tunes and all that great stuff, we usually have for you on the Dog the Squee Show. As well as that, we've also got the big question of the week, which this week, because it was 4.20 earlier in this week, and by the way, I should also say it's, it's Earth Day today. So happy Earth Day to the Earth. Well done. You know, you survived us so far. Hopefully you'll continue to do so. Uh, but it's also, it was 420 the other day. It relates to the Earth as well, of course, because of the greenery. And uh, of course, that's the Stoner's Day of Celebration. I thought seeing as in parts of the world now weed is legal and becoming more and more legal uh, as we speak. And it's already being pushed for by our Stoner brethren. What would you make legal if you can make one thing legal? And of course, because I'm talking big question of the week, I'm joined by my lady, 
but I'm a woman, but I'm a female. Please welcome to the Dr. Screech Show, Nicola Gosling. Well, hello there. As I, of course, always start the show according to you. Yeah. I don't. Never have. I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind. Here. I wouldn't mind, but I once did a live show, and I, I purposely went and I go, "Well, hello there!" And afterwards, I came up to you, and go, "Did you know? Did you know?" Go, what? I was watching something else. Is <laughs> 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 that when I went to watch the pop up puppet cinema? No, you were in the audience. You released it in the audience. In the audience. Yeah, this was one where it was at the Sci-Fi Weekender, which is a lovely event we go to each year, and uh, I've sometimes done some stage interviews and other things. And they were doing a uh, special cosplay competition with the half-assed Avengers. And, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of the other group. But uh, they're both um, fun, fancy dress groups. And they make stuff out of cardboard on the spot. And they just make fun stuff. And uh, so, like, it was just really mad. kept fun one. And I especially came up and said, hey, well, hello there. And I was like, Nicola, Nicola. No, nothing. You didn't even realise I did it. Well, I just, because you do it every week. So why would I, I know? I, it's I don't. Different? I don't, though. You do. You do, though. I don't know. You do that. I don't do that. <laughs> okay, look. Uh, we've got some answers for you. And uh, I thought I'd uh, get Nicola to join me to talk about them. So, uh, <laughs> First of all, my uh, friend um, Vic Guerrero, he's put, he's just, just put a post up going with a police officer meme, and it says, I don't give a rip's patoot what day it is, I better not catch you smoking any doobies. <laughs> any doobies, that was, I don't know why my voice went doobies. <laughs> Sorry, that was... Sounds like Vic Reeves' club style version of doobies. Doobies. <laughs> certainly wasn't down with the kids, was it? <laughs> I, although, of course, I am down with the kids. Vic's uh, also put, also joking, it's legal in California and smells like Cyp- a Cypress Hill concert everywhere outdoors yesterday. <laughs> For 420, because this, I posted the day after 420. It's 422, mm-hmm. which is the alternative stoner day of celebration today, mm-hmm. of course. Every day is a celebration if you're a stoner, let's face it. Uh, Paul G, Papa Bear Paul G is put, if I can do any more price of peace. Giving people the right to die in a manner of their own choosing. Personally, if I was given a diagnosis without hope or treatment or recovery, then I'd like to be fired from an air cannon and meet my maker. I like, not only do I appreciate that, and I think that is a great choice of thing that should be made legal, I think it should be highly, um, policed through the courts of, of if someone does wish the right to stay there should be a special court for it to make sure it's done honestly and that no one's coerced but I think that's a fine thing to, to do if someone's dying with no hope they should be given the right to die with dignity yeah I mean I, I totally agree it's yeah I do agree with you there's like this fine line of where you know you could possibly pass a murder off as that sort of thing i i kind of get why they're a bit skeptical yeah. however you're right you know you, you we talk about the rights that people have and freedoms and you're then going against that by saying you don't have the right to choose um however my thought was when you read that out was i know paul's saying that he's going to be fired from a cannon to meet his maker but what happens if like he's fired from a cannon and then, like he ends up in our back garden or something he lives in Kent. 
how far do you think the cannon's going to shoot him? We're in Southampton. Doing? But he'd be like a bit gutted if he just falls in our garden. I mean, just <laughs> just for so scale, cool. for anyone in America, for instance, it would be the equivalent of throwing from one end of the state to another, pretty much. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he might have done a really powerful... Oh, come on. Let's face it, though. If he wants to meet his maker, that cannon's going to be pretty powerful. That's the idea, though, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, powerful enough to get him into our garden. Yes, dear. It's broken me at this stage. You're hearing this, listener. Could I just ask Paul, though, if he's listening, can you let us know if you're going to do that so we can get it ready for you? Well, the garden. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to just dig a hole and he's going to land perfectly in it. Yeah. It's going to be some SpaceX shit. And if he wants any snacks or drinks on his arrival. <laughs> he's going to be dead. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gary Nopper's Azero has oh, put the justified murdering of upstairs neighbours by beating them to death with their seemingly concrete boots. Now, I'm sure that's not based on any personal story there, obviously. I love things when people post stuff where it's clearly based on a personal story because I did ask him, of course, and he's put... Oh, sorry, Sarah Kirk has put, I can relate to all of my immediate neighbours are noisy in their own ways. And Gary's put, not at all. Because you wouldn't want them to get me started on the clod-hopping, rude, arrogant, total nutter bastards. I mean, um, the totally fictitious, clod-hopping, rude, arrogant, total utter bastards that I definitely don't live beneath. So I, I think it's just a coincidence that you said yeah, that. I, I agree with legalising that personally. <laughs> Why not? Uh, there's uh, one from uh, Emma Potas, our friend. Uh, actually, stoning people in the park for being considerate. Broken glass on grass that can hurt kids' feet. I hate it. Uh, the it's oh, it's only students' mentality. It is people. Uh, I would also just add to that, of course, because we've got dogs, and of course, little kids and dogs they they can't look after themselves, so we have to help them and like. As much as dog owners do take responsibility, don't leave broken fucking glass everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And just generally, if we could extend the stoning to anyone that annoys me, really, that would be great. Yeah, you just want to be able to have the right to stone anyone on a whim. (laughs) As soon as I leave the house, pretty much everybody annoys me. Yeah, there would be no one left (laughs) by the time you finished, including your your, your friendly host here. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) And by the way, I should put, I should mention that uh, Emma's husband, uh, my dear friend oh, Spindles, yes, next weekend he is. I'm really proud and really, um, really made up for him that on Sunday yeah. there is the Oscars, or is it Monday? Sunday, Monday, wherever the Oscars is, he is no Sunday night. So he is playing. He is um, one of the press which have been picked for the virtual Oscars. This is such a feather in his cap and so well deserved for all his hard work. And he put it in on a whim, he said, and and he came good on it. So I really hope he gets asked some lovely questions. And he's going to join us next week to talk about his Oscar coverage and what he kind of got from the night. So we're going to be speaking to someone who's covering the Oscars from the Dog Squeeze show. So, okay, we go out on a Thursday night, so I must admit, it's a few days after the Oscars, but please do tune in, because he's going to have been there. He's going to have seen it. By the way, I can also, I can also recommend, and I won't say by the way anymore, because I realise I've said that a dozen times. But 
I would recommend the Oscar uh, short, which is on Netflix, Two Distant Strangers. Really great um, flick. Just half an hour long as well. So it's... it's... So Zoe uh, Dingwall has put punching little troublemaking scrotes. I put anyone in particular. Just the type that hang around and scare old ladies and break stuff. The quiet ones. I said on the way home I'd be quiet like a purge. I'd quite like a purge night. I must admit, it, it, it does have its charms, the idea of a purge. But, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Anyone who intimidates anyone can just fuck right off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm in justice of that as well. I'm I'm seeing really, these are all really positive. Yeah, you're just saying purge, yes. Yeah, yeah, let's just sign up a charter. Let's just do it. <laughs> uh, Gemma right. Williams has put, now you see, this is the one. Okay, well, I'll, I'll read it out, then, then we'll talk about it. Jim Williams, but I like to. I was sorry, of course, our dear friend who's on later. We're talking Godswell. I like to bring back hanging, electric chair castrations, etc., for rapists and paedophiles. Those people deserved a horrific end. I went a bit dark on this one, but I'd still like to see it. Um, I understand that mode of thinking, and I think probably Nicola might be in tune with it. Yeah, yeah, it actually links in. I'll talk about it in a minute. For me, I must admit, I never want to go towards murder, only because for me, like, you know, if you murder someone, you're doing the thing that you don't want to see. Uh, for me, I um, I wanted to be in a position, I don't even that much want retribution. I think any time I lean towards revenge, I always regret it, always feel like I'm poorer for it as a person. Just my personal thought, I'm not saying I don't understand that viewpoint, but... I don't want to murder or kill anyone. Like, I, again, I, I do understand why the feelings are so strong around this, but I just feel like you, you, you fall into their world of that. As long as they're not able or at risk of doing it again, that's all I want. I don't want that thing to happen again. There was a really interesting documentary I watched, which was about this uh, woman who had um, basically catfished the murderers of her daughter and got to the point where she was pretending to... She used a picture of her daughter um, with her niece to pretend to... Like, the, that picture was the picture of the person they were talking to because they didn't realise they killed... That was the person they killed because uh, it was a drive-by shooting. They were going after someone else, like their brother, but um, it was really interesting. And uh, the woman at the end said, it's like, you know, I, I just, for me, I, I had to ask for the death penalty to be taken off the table. It was really quite stunning to hear mm -hmm. someone who was the mother of the person who was killed um, saying that. But anyway, uh, we sorry, we're running out of time oh, here. Sorry. Just because we've got quite a lot to get through. I will go back to you in a sec. Yes, so. I was going to just lead on from that. Okay, go. No, all I was going to say was I kind of I I get what you're saying, um, but I also get what Jem's saying as well because the thing is, is you kind of have this thought, or I have this thought that there's people in prison that are having a life, and okay, they can't do much, but having a life, and this other person doesn't have a life. They don't have a life anymore now, and also. Sorry, you don't... Do you no, no, we're running out of time. What's you your one? my one? Yeah. Okay, so mine leads on from Gems really nicely because I feel that anyone that harms animals of any kind in any way should be shot on the spot. I'm happy to do it and they don't get a blindfold. Okay, sounds good. Um, look, uh, we're running out of time because our pre-recorded uh, material is uh, quite a bit longer this week. So um, quickly, the last one we've got is from Paul Hutchinson. 
after euthanasia and marijuana, electric scooters, seriously, them being legal is the, stu illegal is the stupidest thing ever. As long as they're not, uh, as long as they're produced in an environmentally friendly way is the only thing I ask, because we should all do more for that. But yes, euthanasia for, for people who want it, uh, who are in those uh, desperate situations, marijuana, I, I don't see the argument against it with uh, all the medical benefits as well as just the fun benefits. And electric scooters. So uh, thank you for all those suggestions. Sorry, we've got a very packed show this week. So we're now going to go to a couple of tunes. First of all, you're going to hear Innuendo by Queen. <laughs> Innuendo. And then we're going to go over to the X-Files theme tune. Look, I'm not taking the piss out of my guests this week. Uh, they were really lovely to speak to. We had a really uh, wonderful debate. I'm a, um, a skeptic. They're believers. It was a really nice chat, though. And... Uh, I just it just really made me think of the X Files and how much I loved it and how much I love that theme tune which was released as a single. No, yeah, but I'm just just pointing out it's it's played out of love, and the X Files was all about believing and um, kind of uh, yeah believing these things. It wasn't about taking the piss. So just I just want to make it clear I wasn't taking the Mickey out of our, our lovely guest this week. So let's go over uh, to uh, a couple of tunes and then we're going to be over to Crop Circles Reality Interview. This innuendo by Queen. Now, tonight, we've got an interview which was delayed from the other day. Uh, some say it was due to us kind of mixing up our, our streaming service and kind of when we were going to be meeting up. Other people say there's more to it. Who knows? But we're going to be talking about crop circles. So please welcome to the Dr. Squee Show from the Crop Circles Realities documentary. It says Darcy Weir and Jeffrey D. Calhoun. How are you doing today, Jen? Oh, thanks for having us on, Squee. Great. Thanks. Okay. Happy to be here, Squee. Um, we had talked about the, the documentary. First of all, I was just wondering if you guys could tell me a bit about A, how you kind of got into the kind of world of crop circles, and B, how you kind of ended up making this kind of film about it. Well, I can quickly uh, get into that and then uh, segue Jeffrey. Um, basically, I've been making a series of documentaries, well, uh, not a series, but just documentaries that cover the sort of spooky UFO and cryptid sort of phenomenon around the world for a number of years now. And I turned my sights on the crop circle phenomenon because there's actually a pretty deep history. Um, this has been going on. You're, you're in London. I'm, or where are you located? Dr. About an hour down the road from London. There you go. Okay. So you may know that the Wiltshire area has been heralding these glyphs in the crops for better part of 30, 30 plus years now in, in modern times. And then people have discussed having them, uh, you know, UFOs over the crops and um, these sort of spiral flattening formations happening back in the 1600s, actually which we feature in the documentary. But um, I, I felt like this 
subject was pretty underrepresented in the sort of overall UFO phenomenon. Um, I think it's quite credible. A lot of people are debunkers about it and um, don't give it any time or credit. But, um, you know, when I started interviewing Jaime Mausan, I traveled out to Mexico City to his studio and we started filming um, on some other subjects. Basically, I, I did a biography on him and how he got into covering the UFO subject in his journalistic career uh, over 40 years ago. And, um, and in doing those other documentaries with him, I found he just had this massive trove of footage and coverage of the UFO phenomenon and um, the crop circle phenomenon in the UK. Uh, he's traveled since the 1990s at least every year to go and see the new crop circles as they've arrived uh, every year. So, and Gary King was the first person to walk him through a formation when he flew from Mexico to the UK. So they have a long-standing relationship and I've built one with Gary King and we decided to uh, put together this documentary. Jeffrey, um, you know, he's somebody who I've constantly reached out for help on on other documentaries. I made a documentary on uh, Sasquatch, believe it or not, Bigfoot, Wild Men. Uh, and he was a script consultant on that, kind of helped me uh, get through building that arc, building the story. And uh, he traditionally does film, like fiction film type writing, but uh, I brought him in on this and he really wrote the full script uh from the ground up like rewrote it uh and put some good structure to it for this documentary so i'm pretty happy to have him help me and accomplish that okay you've given us lots of unpack there but i'm just going to start with it's wiltshire you're, you're speaking to an englishman now you you got to get it right wiltshire wiltshire, wiltshire. <laughs> we don't right. overpronounce that stuff wiltshire come on you, you're rubbing right. too much sauce on it there i'm thinking Sorry. the hobbit here i don't know why <laughs> I'm sorry, but like you're, you're going to interview, you're going to be in a, an interview with an English guy. You're going to do an English subject. You've got to come correct on the Wiltshire. Wiltshire, Wiltshire. <laughs> okay, there's no need for the accent. That's just, I, I get it. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, I will say that's actually not far down the road from here, Wiltshire. So kind of uh, it's Salisbury kind of areas in Wiltshire, and that's um, again like a under an hour away from here. So can you very, very close to our area here. So um, Jeffrey, how about you? What was your kind of story about coming into this from your perspective? Well, yeah, I've known Dar Darcy for a while um, and I've always enjoyed his work. He's got an awesome eye for um, for documentaries. I mean, he's a, he's a really strong director as a documentarian and he always comes to a subject with a different kind of take on it. Um, and when he was, uh, approached me about the uh, the the uh, crop circle realities, um, looking at how he wanted to to prove how like twenty percent of uh, crop circles are unexplainable and aren't done by man. I thought that was fascinating, and so I was really excited to kind of come on board and help um, help him narrate that and also kind of weave in the arc of proving that thesis. And I think we we really accomplished it in in a beautiful piece of work. There's certainly some really interesting questions from it. And like, I'm kind of going to just own it right from the beginning. I am a skeptic, but I'm fascinated in this. And I do love the kind of exploration 
I also kind of like, um, as much as I sometimes kind of my, to, to my friends who believe this, I say it's like, well, kind of like, obviously it's kind of got to be evidence-based. I also say to people who don't believe, just because you don't believe doesn't mean you can explain everything. And I think that's the kind of interesting area for me is where it can't be explained, but then does that necessarily mean that it's alien? Just kind of like lay out my stall a little bit going in. Fair uh, enough. But, but kind of like a, one thing which kind of just to start off with, I want to talk about was the crop circles or the kind of legend of crop circles before the crop circles we know are established to be crop circles. Can you just tell us a bit about the kind of stories you, you uncovered there? Sure. So uh, the first real um, story that, that emerged when people started seeing these circular formations in their crop fields out in the Wiltshire area um, was basically connected. They said that it was a, a, a weather phenomenon. They thought that it was caused by ball lightning because people were seeing orbs sometimes. Um, and then they said as a result of this lower atmospheric phenomenon, there's wind that's creating spiral flattening. And so farmers were finding their, their crops were flattened perfectly. And, um, you know, you, you may know, but there's, there's, you know, a history of, um, glyphs showing up in the countryside there, you know, there, there's old, um, you know, stone circles and all that types of stuff that you see from the sky specifically. So this phenomenon in terms of ancient, uh, glyphs that you can see from the sky has been pretty dominant in the UK for a long time. So people didn't think much of it until they started flying over top of these spiral flattened areas. And they started realizing there was designs to what was happening in the crop formations. Um, in 1678, we have a copper plate from one of the early printing press articles uh, in the UK on the devil shall mow. And the devil shall mow is a story about a impoverished farmer that came along and uh, had to do some work for a richer farmer. He was reluctant to do it because he thought the richer farmer was kind of stiffing him. So they got into an argument. Um, the impoverished farmer walked away from the deal, but then decided to come back and said, look, I know that I'm not going to get a lot more work, so I'll do the job anyways. And the, the rich farmer said, no, the devil shall mow. And, uh, you know, stubbornly said, forget it. I don't want anybody to do my crop right now. So the next day, the rich farmer woke up and everything was perfectly, you know, symmetrically laid down. And in the article, there's other pages that we we don't have in the documentary, but um, there was said to be sightings of uh, spheres of fire over top of the crops that night. So, um, you know, spheres of fire, this is something that we equate to orb-like UFO sightings that have happened um, around crop formations around these glyphs over the years. And, uh, you know, in the documentary, if you watch, we include that famous uh, video from Jonathan Wiley, an uh, Australian man who traveled over from Australia during the crop circle season. Um, 
1996 and he heard sort of like a, a hum, this sort of buzzing when he woke up uh, at four o'clock in the morning. He was up on a hill overlooking East Field. Uh, when he opened up his tent, he saw these orbs flowing around uh, the crop crop below the, the hill that he was camping on, took out his mini DV camcorder, started recording. And actually the full length of that video is 15 minutes. This man named Aaron Sorensen, he was he took the video from Jonathan, who's a naive young man, uh, and said, I, I can disseminate this, I can edit it, I can like make a, a big movie about it. Um, and later told uh, Jonathan that he had damaged the footage and that's why we mostly only ever see that 15, 10 second clip of the orbs flowing over the crop and this formation being laid out. Um, that formation has been uh, photographed and analyzed quite deeply by uh, Gary King, who's a crop circle researcher I fe featured in the documentary. He's been, he's walked in over 900 different crop formations himself as they've appeared over the years. And um, he, he thinks that that video is 100% genuine. Yeah, I mean, the thing I found really interesting about that, because when he was walking through the kind of crop circles and he discussed a few of the things which we know about the kind of uh, confirmed man-made crop circles. Like, and I think it sounds like from where you're saying about 20% of them being kind of, there's inexplicable things about them. So right. I, I take it we're kind of like established that we agree that the man-made ones are man-made. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, check, like, you know, don't totally, totally. A, a good example of a man-made one, I'll just give you anecdotally yeah. here. Um, Asahi a beer company from Japan, many people may or may not know, kind of like Sapporo. They wanted to do a marketing campaign and they traveled out to the Wiltshire area. You can Google this. They made just their beer label in a flat field of wheat. Um, now, how many people do you think it took to complete this beer label to look symmetrical from the sky and, and perfect? How many do you think, Dr. Squee? Oh, um, hundreds. 40 and it took them a week they used um you know geo location technology and they mapped everything out and they also used uh mowing technology to cut when i said hundreds i assumed you meant overnight it's like yeah that would take quite a few people sorry I yeah <laughs> yeah but the the really strange thing about some of these incredibly complex uh, formations, and I I can uh, kind of share my screen here and and give you a couple that look you know super beautiful and symmetrical from from the sky, you know almost perfect, and they seem to hold very uh, incredible sort of messages for us. Um, here, I'll give you this one here. Uh, this is the Chilbolton glyph that uh, people say is possibly a um, answer to Carl Sagan's Arecibo message that went out in 1974. So I don't know if you can bring that up, but I, I have that shared there. Um, 
what we commonly see is something like these showing up, okay? When they show up, um, no one accounts for people making them at night. They usually show on the cover of night. They come up with the sun. The farmers are the first people to walk into them, or maybe um, people onlookers are the first people to actually walk and navigate through them. Uh, now, this is kind of a photo cutout, so it's not super, super um, square looking here, but from above it, it was. When Carl Sagan created uh, the Arecibo message, he included 10 points about mankind in it. And if you look at this uh, from the top down, there's actually 10 points in response. So the very top area of this glyph is one whole line, and then it's followed by sort of a blob that's a second line, a third line, four, five, and then the sixth uh, information line is actually the squiggly lines that are in the middle. That's a DNA structure. Uh, because in our Arecibo message we sent out in 1974, uh, Arecibo is located in Puerto Rico. It's a big radio telescope. And it, the whole purpose was to send out communications and receive. And when it sent out this message, many of the points were what kind of DNA we had, our bodily form, uh, what planet we live on in our solar system, and uh, the, the technology we use to send out these communications. We use shortwave radio, uh, and we also use large radio telescopes. And at the very bottom of our message was our radio telescope um, sort of diagram. In 2000, we actually received so this is the breakdown, but in 2000, we received this mess, this glyph. Can you see that? Uh, still seeing your previous. All right, let me bring oh. it up one more time. I'm gonna bring it up. Yeah, I think you have to unshare and reshare maybe. So in the year 2000, we received this and we didn't know what it was. Pretty complex, pretty beautiful, very symmetrical from above. And it looks like just a bunch of circles connected by circles, many, right? But when we got the following reply, and the thing is we always get messages received in the same area year over year, which is the Wiltshire area. So there's a continuity of messaging. Um, I'm going to bring up the other one, which kind of breaks down how the messaging works. Uh, from the Arecibo reply. Just gonna pull that up. And here we go. Sorry, there's a long-winded response. So if you look at this one, we can see our message that was sent out, uh, you know, binary code through the radio uh, telescope you see these 10 different points of lines, right? And if you go to the very bottom of our message, you see what is a, looks like an M, but that's a diagram of a radio telescope. And if yeah. you go to the very bottom of theirs to the right, you see that same image that I brought up before, that big circle with all these little circles radiating off of it. Yeah, That's actually their version of a radio telescope 
which is apparently a microwave telescope. And you see their bodily form, you see their DNA structure. Apparently theirs was different. They had they have silicon silicon in their their DNA. Um, they highlighted the different planets in their solar system. That's right below the little stick man humanoid thing. And you see um, ours, we, we, we obviously have the sun. And then on the left side, you see the third rock from the sun kind of pushed up. They have the sixth rock from the sun pushed up. But then there's three other dots, meaning they have three moons. And that they are trying to say they inhabit all of that. So really interesting information. And Carl Sagan yeah. denied the credibility of these um, crop formations, these crop glyphs that were showing up. But the question is, what human group would really want to hoax something like this? You know, why would they want to build a continuity of messaging and communication with us in such an elaborate way um, and also why is that no one's come forward to claim responsibility for the Chilbolton uh, crop glyphs or anything like that and that that's what I those mean, are if people want to google them they can just google Chilbolton crop uh, circles from 2001 and 2000. Yeah I mean kind of like personal on that. So you're saying about kind of want to fake it and why would they want to not take credit? Uh, from the kind of point of view of the reason why anyone might want to do it, there is kind of obviously publicity, money, press from this. Kind of what would you sort of say to that? And if you were trying to kind of keep people guessing about it and talking about it, you'd do a consistent message. Sure. Um, well, if that were the case, why is that no one's come forward to claim that money and that fame? since 2001 or 2000 right um there is the obvious marketing campaign that the asahi beer company made that took seven days 40 engineers and it cost them thousands and thousands of dollars to produce those formations that you would have seen there they showed up in less than three hours overnight uh, the farmers didn't see anybody going into their field with headlamps or anything like that. Um, and what happens is it attracts the world's attention. It's it's a message that's beautiful, but it also is, um, you know, something that we all end up talking about and gets disseminated in the news and so on. Obviously not very effective because the mainstream media doesn't hear about this stuff at all. Uh, a few questions which kind of rise from some of that stuff. So, uh, first of all, when kind of you're going through the field uh, during the documentary, uh, there was talk about um, a, a few things I kind of wanted to unpack there. So, first of all, there was talk of uh, how kind of symmetrically it, it's done and how that kind of doesn't uh, fall in line with the crop circles we know to be man-made. If you'd like to just talk a bit about that. Well, some of the, the man-made crop circles are symmetrical, for sure, uh, especially the Asahi one that I, that I had explained. But it requires more time, it requires more manpower, and it requires lots of money to do it. 
Um, the ones that have shown up very mysteriously, like, um, for example, Gary King's incident at 777, you know, he was camping out on Knapp Hill over East Field, which is the same place that uh, that UFO video we feature with with a, the it's called Oliver's Castle, which is the um, uh, formation that shows up in that near there. He had seen a flash of light and that happened at 3.30 in the morning. And an hour later when the sun was coming up, they saw a 1,033 foot wide formation uh, appearing in the light. And, um, you know, no one, everybody was in their tents that night. There was three people on the hill, uh, Gary King and his girlfriend, and this other researcher that had set up cameras to record everything that night. Now, this gentleman had come there because he had had an orb incident. He had recorded, he had seen orbs floating over a crop 20 years ago, and he had been chasing and trying to record the same phenomenon year over year. This year, he got a flash of light ca captured on his cameras, and there was no tire tracks, no footprints through the field. There was literally just them walking through the field as the sun came up. They were the first people walking in, and everything was perfectly flattened, you know, um, over 100 circles joined. Uh, Gary King describes it as if you took the time to create that from midnight to when it would, light actually started to come up, that's one crop, one circle per two minutes. And how to, how, like, no, no one accounted for people with headlamps creating these, that type of thing. And Gary King, let me tell you, is not rich, not famous. And, you know, he's not making, he, he's, this is probably the only documentary he's ever been in. So, you know, and he's been researching this for over 20 years. So if the claim is that he created this with his girlfriend and the, the guy recording, how come they've never become millionaires from this? Because, like, you know, there's no money in it. It's literally a, a strange phenomenon that's happening. And that's it. But let's, uh, I think Jeff's got to go soon. I was going to so say, maybe... Darcy, I, we will continue talking about this. Jeff, I am aware you've got a kind of half hour time crunch on us today. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, anything you want to kind of quickly shout out in the last couple of minutes before you? I have? would actually, yeah. So, um, yeah. about marketing with crop circles. So, crop circles have kind of gotten into pop culture and are considered its own art form now. Do we still have Squee? You still got me? Okay. All right. So, uh, so it's, you know, there's jewelry made on crop circles. There's, you know, a whole kind of uh, sub art to it, but you also have to look at the crop circles themselves and how the crop circles are made. If they're man-made, the plants are crushed, right? The stalks are broken and it's very rough patch. But if it's through the phenomena that we can't explain, the nodes themselves of the plants are elongated from some kind of a superheating process that allows them to bend and fall over each other interweaving. And this is actually, you know, been scientifically researched and identified. You can see a difference between a man-made crop circle and the 20% that are unexplained. 
Um, and then they've even found microscopic magnetic particles within the cathodes. And I know that sounds unbelievable and I know that sounds wild and eccentric, but there is science to prove it. Um, and so I think that is something that needs to be considered as well, because a lot of people say, okay, well, hoaxers could do it over this kind of time. And Darcy's no, 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 absolutely no. right yeah. um, that, uh, you know, uh, it would take two minutes to make one crop circle in, in, in some of these really elaborate designs. If you put all of that stuff aside and really look at the science of it, it is quite remarkable. Um, but thanks for having me on, Squee. Darcy, it's always a pleasure to see you. And I hope that the listeners of the show really kind of lean in and uh, check out Crop Circle Realities because it's I haven't seen a, a doc like it out there, and I think it's pretty awesome. I'm definitely going to address some of those things you, you brought up just there. Lovely Stowers collection in the background as well, by the way. I'll catch you soon. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, All right, bye. See you, Darcy, buddy. bye. Maybe you can answer some of those, uh, those points because there, there were some things which he's mentioned there which I did want to raise. So with the, like, he talked about the kind of field, and I think that was what I was referring to, the way it was flattened was mentioned and kind of how those results wouldn't be quite achieved by uh, some of the man-made methods which we're aware of. Uh, one thing which was mentioned was the fact that, as he's mentioned there, it's like the amount of uh, people who went in to do scientific studies on kind of like uh, uh, things emitted from it and how it's kind of like presenting all this. But it was mentioned there was a lot of people who went in. How was the, uh, I, I want to use a better term, but the crime scene <laughs> kept so that it wasn't Clean. interfered with by the different, yeah, because if you've got hundreds of people coming in and doing different projects yep. there and different bits of research. How was it maintained that that wasn't effective? So a couple of things um, with the Gary King incident, the 777, the crop crop formation that showed up before his eyes, really. Um, they were the first people to see that and they were the first people to enter it. It's all on video. You know, this is proof. But what they did was at the time, there was a scientist named W.C. Levengood, William C. Levengood, man from Michigan, uh, who took interest in the crop circle phenomenon. And he wanted to test the soil and the actual uh, you know, straw or whatever it was that, that was used as a medium to create these designs. And um, they sent he took the samples of the soil and the grass from 777 from that event and he did his first tests on those and he found uh like jeffrey was telling you so what what we often see is one strand is laid over another strand that has fallen here and it kind of weaves and it, it they hold the 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 formation down so the design can sort of stay connected right and they had taken that grass he had done some tests you know uh he checked when he opened up the stalks he saw that spheres of metal had been sucked into the cathodes of the actual plant right the vertices these little bending joints mm. and they had been elongated now um why and there also seem to be these little holes that look like expulsion cavities like like steam had kind of boiled out of the plant and released there so what he had deduced from this reaction 
um, and he had literally taken normal crop uh, foliage and put it through microwave, um, put it through a microwave, and you could see when when you microwave the, this the normal crop the the um, the test the the sample group that was not subjected to the control group right he saw that it would bend it would almost like the crop would melt to a certain degree if you put it through some microwave radiation some not like throwing it in a microwave for five minutes and walking away right you'll kill the yeah. plant for sure but what gary has found and many other researchers that have looked into this the the uh formations that show up that seem to be very anomalous in the way that they're created. They don't seem to be crushed as if they were made with a wood board and rope like Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley claimed to have done for all the crop circles pre-1991. Um, these formations seem to almost lay down together, but then when the sun comes up the next day, Later in the day, around four or five o'clock, if a group has not come and walked over the formation and patented it down, what happens is the plants are actually not dead. They're subjected to this radiation to a certain extent, but whoever's creating them doesn't want to kill the plants. So the plants start to rise back to the sun, meaning photo phototropism, you know, Phototropism is where you take a, a pot, you know, your flower in a pot, you put it by the window, the sun moves over to a certain part of the window during the day. And when you come into your kitchen or your living room, you'll all of a sudden see the leaves are trying to arc towards where the sun is, or the flower, the stem for the flower has moved towards where the sun is. This is phototropism. This is a plant's evolutionary way to try and soak up as much sun and create photosynthesis for its energy as possible. So it's following the sun. And for these crops that are still alive, they're not crushed, they're made in this mysterious way that we don't really have the technology for right now, um, they seem to have phototropism. They start rising back to the sun at a certain part of the day and they're thriving, they're still alive. And that that's a really unique part of this whole mystery. Yeah. And uh, when Gary was walking through the area, uh, when he was talking about this, he did talk. The, the only thing I kind of have questions about, and I'm sure there's kind of like, I do understand documentary. You don't walk, you don't have time in two hour documentary to walk through every step. But yep. when he was going through the kind of area and he said, it's like, well, this isn't explained. This area area is patted down, but someone must walk through that. Now, is that kind of like um, a bit more looked into in the kind of real world than it appears in the documentary? Because it seems yeah. to be just decided that that someone's walked through there. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for for context, you know, to give you yep. a bit more context. So for that video that you're talking about, that's um, the canola field with flowers, right? It looks like kind of like a big 3D uh, um, cube that's in a circle. Yeah. And it's in a yellow field of flowers. So that's a, another interesting aspect of this phenomenon is that, that it doesn't just show up in a crop field of wheat on a flat ground. 
uh, it shows up in canola, which is a plant that has a stem as thick as celery. Okay, yeah. that's a that's a medium that's not easy to work with, and it has flowers, yellow flowers growing on top of it. Um, so that's hard to work with without breaking. Canola is very fragile. If you used a wood board and rope and you started crunching down, at the very base of the of the um, the stalk, it would just yeah. crack in half. It would crack. It would not um, look like it's bent down. In a in it's sort of like it's laying down. Now, that's one aspect. Um, th this also shows up in mace corn. It shows up in uh, soy, barley. Uh, you know your wheat. All, all these different mediums to work with that are that are diff harder to work with than just wheat. Anyways, um, so this one, this incredible. 3D geometric shape, you know, like I said, it was a sphere floating in a circle, um, showed up on a hill. And when you fly over top, which they did, you know, they did a drone flyover of it, uh, it looks symmetrical. So if you're a men, a group of men with boards and rope, and you want to make this design without destroying the canola, uh, and, and Gary has said this in other interviews we've done together. It's too bad we don't have Gary on this. But he's walked – there's actually been um, video of people making a crop glyph in a canola field before. And guess what happens? The stalks crack in half. The flowers completely get mangled and fall everywhere, right? And they get yeah. ripped off as you're sliding this board along, kind of shearing – the the flowers off so it looks like a mess when you're walking through it it looks like a flower graveyard you know what i mean whereas when he walked up to this formation everything was being subjected to phototropism all of the field was still growing and some of it was coming up some of it was more flattened right yeah um Sorry. Sorry to derail you a little and, bit. And, and he said, and he said, okay. that over there looks like it's been walked on. Now, when a farmer finds these, they do one of two things. They don't tell anybody about it and they're pissed off. And they usually uh, will mow it quickly because they don't want unwanted foot traffic out to their, their farm. That's one thing that is very common. So many years have gone by where there have definitely been crop formation that have showed up that have been mowed, and we've never even been able to experience them because the farmers don't want unwelcome guests. And one thing this does attract is unwelcome guests. People jump up over the fence. They walk into the formation. They walk around it. They drink a, a Coke they throw the can down, you know, they leave litter. We're messy people. We're disrespectful. So farmers don't want people on their land. Um, Gary gets often invited and he also calls around to ask for um, the ability to walk on to these properties when they find the formations. So he's been doing this for over 20 years and the, there are people that live in the area that are also like him that are interested in the, the formations. 
And when they appear, they give him a call and say, hey, one has appeared today. We should call the farmer and see if we can go walk on them. Oftentimes, there are other people that will walk onto the formation uh, that the farmer doesn't want. And I think that's what he was referencing there, that he wasn't the only person that went to that formation that day. Um, Sometimes he lived, you know, closer to London. Uh, yeah. And so sometimes, you know, the two hour drive to get out to the Wiltshire area is harder, you know, and you can't be the very first people to walk on these. Oh, of course. It's just when he's kind of presenting the evidence of kind of stuff, which kind of obviously, you know, I, I'm no, no scientist here. I don't have probably even the worst of the explanations. Uh, but when he's talking about the kind of things he can't explain, and he talks like about the way it's formed and then he talks about the footprints it seems to be kind of assumed to be footprints when it's like that could be seen by some as dismissing things which aren't um, okay convenient to the kind of version of things that he believes. but but then all i'm saying here squee is sure. if if you if you think the footprints are from a group of men who have used wood boards and rope to crunch down and create that formation. And that's the la the leftover evidence of them doing that. Then how do you explain them not destroying the crop and the crop growing up to the yeah. sun? And, and, you know, that is the problem. Therein lies the conflict in, in the recipe of how that was made, because that, if you look at a canola, field that has been made by people and gary has seen this himself it looks like a flower graveyard it is just like everything is mashed um and that's I mean, not how that formation was found and i i'm i'm not positing that it was done in any particular way i'm just kind of talking about the kind of uh selection of like i'm not saying that he is doing this but some could argue that kind of if you say if you assume the bits which don't fit what you're going towards are footprints like you know how much has that looked into is, is all i was kind of like just just looking at yeah that's fine for sure yeah yeah i don't want to seem, seem as if i'm kind of like trying to suggest one thing or another. no no and i mean I just kind of it's, like it's, it's, it's in the documentary for people to make yeah, their yeah. own mind up i mean if oh, people if people connect to that part of it and they go ah well there's footprints there you know if that part is a bit mangled because there's footprints there then it must be man-made that is oh, somebody's no, I, I don't say it must be one thing or another i just like there's certain things which kind of uh yeah some th things which uh certainly more points towards the inexplicable and some things kind of like then you look into why that's explicable yes yes of course i understand uh the other thing i want to get onto so we mentioned about in the documentary it's mentioned that with the fields where these kind of um these crop circles have happened that are, are less explicable there is a um kind of when when it grows back it, it grows back with the pattern still in it how much was that kind of compared next to the ones where we kind of uh, had people kind of claim them yeah the phantom uh crop circles or the go crop circle ghosts that uh, yeah so so i think that's um it's called clay hill and that was in 2017 and 2018. Um, that formation showed up originally, which again was a 3D geometric uh, shape. It was kind of like a, a cube within a massive 
circular formation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they did mention there was a few of the crop circles where it tended not to grow back. Like, you know, you can see the crop circles. Yes. Many harvests so later. We showed that video evidence. Um, yeah. Gary has seen this in person many times over. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on a, a follow-up documentary where we answer a lot more of these questions uh, yeah. that you're even asking, right? But um, there's two things that he noted, he, no he has noticed that have happened with this phenomenon. One is that, yes, the, so with that Clay Hill uh, formation, it showed up in 2017. This showed up, I, I believe, in um, a field of soy. And then that was mowed, that was yielded. And the next year, a field of canola was there. You could see the yellow flowers and it didn't grow back. The, the canola was not able to grow in the area where the, the, the formation was the year before. Um, yeah. This sort of ghosting also, he, the second thing that he noticed is that the farmers will get snow sometimes in uh, the following you know, winter and this same formation will not be covered in snow. For some reason, the snow will be all around it, but not in this in in the clay hill formation. So and that's that another seem to be unique just to that particular one or some certain circles, or does that seem to be a commonality? And like, yeah, again, is that measured against kind of man-made circles if kind of similar things happen because obviously if you yeah plow through something you can see after effects in anything like later because the the ground can be affected in lots of ways has that been looked at against that yeah so he what he looked at what could be a possibility is that when the when the um formation is made when the um medium of let's say wheat is laid down and the seeds from that wheat are sprinkled off and and hit the ground the the first year let's say clay hill was 2017 it was wheat i can't remember yeah. what it was but when that gets laid down and the seeds fall off and hit the the soil um what happens he thinks is possible is that that all those seeds that were not intentionally meant to be there may possibly get pushed into the ground from people visiting and walking through they when they're walking through they're stamping down the seeds and then this creates a uh sort of carpet of pre-planted seeds and what happens in modern day farming is especially with canola the farmer has machines and as you know it's not like back in the day where they just plow and then they hand you know put in seeds into that little mud mound that they plow right what yeah. happens is they have a machine that like is almost like industrial it goes through and it drills holes as it goes through plunk 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 it drills these holes into the soil and when it drills holes it punches down uh a canola seed in each hole and 
what is possible is that because there's this layer of the wheat seeds that fell down when that formation was laid out, it creates this um, root mat of already uh, germinated seeds from the year before. And then the canola seed tries to grow up, but because that root mat closes up the hole, it can't rise above that, uh, that root mat that's been created from the other crop that was laid down, right? So that's, yeah. that's one thing. But he says, well, why is it also that when it's snowing, the snow won't go on that area? But again, I will ask the question, has that been compared next to man-made ones? I just, just again. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been compared next to man-made ones, he says, and it just yep. doesn't, um, it None doesn't happen. Effect. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. Cool. Um, one thing I kind of was really interested in as well is the kind of uh, the orbs in the sky. That's kind of quite a common phenomenon, quite a um, commonly reported things, not just around crop circles, but in so many other cases. Yeah. Uh, what like? Do you have any doubts of like you know that it's just aliens or that it could be something like you know for instance a lot of people have kind of suggested things like this could be any number of kind of government kind of uh, things like that's another kind of common um, conspiracy theory just to use the sort of common parlance parlance I don't mean to sort of demigrate it but no yeah yeah um, do you ask there's... any kind of like have any kind of uh, questions about that? yeah so. My own um, theory on orbs is that it's that they're not man-made. Um, I I would so people will will say all the time. Well, if you're an alien race and you're making uh, these messages in the crops, you know, you're making these uh, agroglyphs is another word for them that can only be seen from above. Why would you do that when you can just take your alien craft and land on the White House lawn? You know, that's commonly said by skeptics and debunkers. And I think what the real problem is here is that many people are illiterate on the history of the UFO phenomenon. If you go back and you look at events like the Battle of LA that happened in 1942, we have a sphere not a sphere we have a like classic saucer shaped craft that was hovering over top of los angeles uh during world war ii and artillery and shells were launched at it over 1200 rounds i believe three people died from shrapnel falling from the sky um and you know there's there's a famous photo you can google it the battle of la 1942 and this was published in the newspaper the next day, you see all these spotlights aimed up at this craft that's just hovering over the city. And we tried to shoot it down. And then you hear about 1947, Roswell. There was a crashed craft. The yeah. American military, the Air Force came forward and said, we have recovered a crashed craft. After that, they got cold feet and they said, no, 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 wait a second. It's actually a weather balloon and people said, wait, what are the bodies then? And people said that there was bodies being recovered from the crash craft. There's hundreds of witnesses that have come forward about that event, uh, not only cleaning up the debris, but you know, seeing 
bodies being brought back to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and so on and so forth. This has a deep, deep history to it, now, this see, one see incident. Just wait, just wait. Oh, no, no, okay. And sure. so what I'm saying is um, there's a continuity of us shooting at craft that is in our airspace that's not our inventory. And if you go now, you go forward in history to the Tic Tac UFO from uh, the, the US's, US Pentagon had released and uh, actually said recently in 2020, in, in May or April, they said, this is not part of our inventory. Um, we do believe this is not from any foreign adversary inventory. Therefore, yeah. this is probably not human made. Uh, and there's the gimbal UFO incident that happened with USS Nimitz, Nimitz you know, off the co coast of the US as well. And these craft seem to be not shaped like our craft, not operating like our craft. They, yeah. they ping pong around the sky and then fly off into space as if it's child's play. And we don't have, A, we don't have that type of propulsion system, I believe. From my research, I, I, I don't think we do. Um, and B, we just don't have, if we're, if we're scrambling fighters and all this type of stuff to try and obviously engage with them like we always do, this is, perfect reason for why if you are a race that is trying to interact with a hostile race, what's the most peaceful way to do it? You can leave these agroglyphs. You can, okay, I, you, you can put them in year over year into the crops as a, a, a messaging continuity. You know, you're, you're basically saying, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to lay them every year until you guys finally catch up and get and give us a chance to land peacefully. You know what I mean? Okay, I do have to jump in just a little bit. Just a few things to unpack from from all that. I mean, I think the the same. The only thing I would say, kind of uh, about that, is the same thing would be true in Roswell. I believe it's quite kind of possible something happened. It's I, I'm not saying it's not possible. It's aliens, but I think also most of the stuff you've just said would be very true if it was a top secret fighter plane or some kind of method propulsion that, that either the US military or any other military had. And they may have said, oh yeah, something crashed. And then someone said, shut up. No, we're not talking about that. Like whether it's theirs or a foreign powers, I think everything you said there would also be true. Um, it's possible, it's possible, but um, you know, are we are we going to say that the gimbal UFO and the Tic Tac UFO are China or Russia? No I, way. I'm just using the. I, hey, look, um, we could go into kind of all these and, different examples. I just think Roswell is the kind of probably greatest example because we know it was an Air Force base, so the likelihood it's of something top secret being. Uh, yeah, but why 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 would the Air Force, if it's Air Force inventory? Why would they come forward startled with this revelation? Because individuals make mistakes. <laughs> sure. And then the but, greater military gets involved and then shuts them the hell up. Sure. I mean, th that's that's an explanation that many people have taken because they just don't want to perceive the fact that we live in a cosmic ocean, we're being visited, uh, and it and that's actually the major thing that the the military industrial complex is trying to shut up. 
because it may disturb our way of life. It may disturb our fossil fuel industries. It may disturb our politics and religion, which are all methods of control. I, I just like again, I'm not saying that it has to be that, but it's just that argument seems as plausible as kind of the alien argument as well. I'm sure the Air Force, I mean, there there's plenty of tales that the Air Force has been trying to re reverse engineer technology that's not ours. And um I'm sure we do have some kind of working model that demonstrates uh motion or speeds that these tic tac ufos and and gimbal ufos demonstrate to a degree right sure. but um i think with any successful military um you're you're going to keep that stuff hush hush because that is your ace in the hole uh, but yeah that would point towards them trying to keep us anyway like that we could go back and forth on that particular point uh, but all your points are well made. Uh, just a couple other kind of areas I want to go into. For you, going through this, what was the thing that you previously believed going into this that kind of turned out not to be true? What, like, was there any discovery on that side of things for you? Yeah, uh, the Doug, Doug and Dave, Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley created all the crop circles. That's just patently a lie. So you believe that going in to be with yourself? I believed before I really investigated the crop circle mystery or crop circle uh, reality, I, I believed that many of them were um, man-made, you know, it, obviously, if you can take a wood board and a rope, you can make a crop circle, but look at the quality of the ones that Doug and Dave made. If you yeah. look at the history of that, if you go back and you look at those photos, they're nowhere near as symmetrical. They're nowhere near as perfect as the ones that we have showing up under these anomalous circumstances. And, uh, you know, at the same time, Gary King, for example, has witnessed, you know, a, a, a strange formation show up in front of him in the cover of night and they wake up to see it as the sun rolls up and they they're the first people to walk through it um in one night it has been reported in the uk and in, in parts of uh you know the air probably near where you live like you were saying um over six crop circles have showed up if yeah. if you have six groups of men women what have you, coordinating to create six different intricate designs in one night. That is extremely, extremely hard to achieve, especially yeah. when you compare it to something like the Asahi campaign. Campaign, A week long, 40 engineers, they used all kinds of technology, and that's how they made it look symmetrical and perfect on a flat surface. The canola field, uh, formation that we showed that Gary King walked in, this was built on a hill, you know, to make something look perfect uh, from the sky, completely symmetrical from the sky, not like oblonged. That yeah. takes a lot of craft and skill uh, in one night without damaging the plants. The plants are still growing. 
yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's just so much to it. Yeah, I guess I kind of was more trying to get it because I, I mean, would you say you were a skeptic going in? Because it sounds like you were kind of believer going into it. So to say that's something you learned that it was kind of like it was more likely alien in your view. Seems like well, something you were kind of going in with. I mean, I've always wanted to do something on crop circles. I yeah. watched signs when I was in high school. Everybody likes M. Night Shyamalan's Alfred Hitchcockian uh, portrayal of crop formations. In his film, they were being used as waypoints for an alien invasion, you know, yeah. uh, signals for the other craft, you know. Um, that's that's cute, but the the actual evidence of what crop circles constantly are demonstrating in the UK, the ones that seem to be made by intelligent authors from off planet, let's say, is that they're extremely peaceful in nature. The, the message is, we're here, guys. You're not alone. We're watching. We can see what's happening to your planet, and we have concerns. Um, you know, if you, if you believe that they've been leaving these for many years and the thing about Doug and Dave that people don't understand is, um, in 1990, there was this incredible formation that showed up. You can look up crop circle East field, 1990, and this showed up. It was massive. It was very, very long in the field. Yeah. This attracted thousands and thousands of people like, um, there were so many people that were showing up to this formation. They were jumping over the fence, of the farmer, the farmer was pissed off. They were, they were like hoarding, uh, this area and they ended up, you know, parking all their cars alongside of the road of this, this farm East field. It showed up in East field this is the same place that many formations have shown up. Um, and, uh, police officers were just walking along the road, handing out tickets to try and get people to move on. Well, right after that formation showed up, right after this had reached this peak in popularity and so many people had, you know, interest in this worldwide, you know, uh, Doug and Dave came forward right after that and said, we've created all of them. And people said, well, did you create the one in Eastfield that thousands of people went to? Yeah, we created that one. Okay, show us how to do it. They show you how they do it. And then they do a flyover to show their crop circle. And it looks like garbage. It's not symmetrical. It's not perfect. But the mainstream media has made their decision. They've said, Doug and Dave have done it. Let's move on to soccer. Let's move on to football. Let's move on to hockey. Let's yeah, move on say, to politics. We call it over here. Sorry, let's move <laughs> on to footy, whatever. Pretty, I appreciate that effort. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's just the easiest answer. Oakham's razor is, is what prevails and people don't want to be challenged by something that's different and a little bit out there and you know the world is not super simple and the universe is different and out there so we're being we're being presented with that and yeah i went in i went into this wanting to know more about the history of crop circles 
Um, if at any point that I thought it was going to be complete and utter bull crap, I would have not like yeah, created no, the documentary. I, I, yeah. But of there course, was just yeah, so much evidence being laid out, you know, that the people are not subjected to. And uh, in a way, I, I feel a bit like an activist. I want to present data that hasn't been uh, well represented. And that's why I made the documentary. Have you got another about 15 minutes? Awesome. Let's continue some. So uh, another thing which I wanted to ask about. When you're exploring these fields, is there anything which kind of like uh, during the documentary you kind of unearthed or was it kind of um, all stuff which had, had been got coming in? So was there any kind of like fresh evidence to come out of this or is this kind of more a compilation of kind of previously discovered? Um, I mean, if people do their research, if they look into this subject, they'll find that um, the anomalies of sort of electromagnetism being present in some of these fields um, in the crops, you know, like like we just like we showed and discussed earlier, William C. Levengood studies, that stuff is there. Um, the geometry, the symmetry, the perfection, that is there. Um, the fact that some of these show up in a matter of minutes, um, in the case of the orb UFO video uh, that showed the Oliver Castle formation being laid out, that was a matter of seconds. But then you've got Gary King's sort of anomalous video where that seemed to show up in a sudden flash. Um, this information's out there, but I, I, I wanted to build a chronology to it. And if you look at many of my documentaries, I, I do that. I do a sort of history lesson going from the beginning to now. And at the end of this documentary, um, you know, I, I even included the 2020 glyph that showed up, which was a COVID-19 formation. Um, you know, no one's come forward to say, hey, we created this again. Um, and it, it shows up the same year that the world is being uh haunted by this pandemic so yeah. you know it's it, there's messaging that's constantly being presented um every year and there will be something this year there'll be something next year and there'll be something the year after i guarantee it and something which i want to kind of get into because you mentioned about um how like it's it's seen as them communicating this way as opposed to landing because traditionally things land that we're not expecting don't end up getting treated very well. And I think you could pare that down to a country level kind of uh, thing as well. Uh, so yeah, that kind of seems like a very good uh, parallel there. But why communicate? So like, you know, for instance, the Carl Sagan, the answer to Carl Sagan, if you will, to, to that kind of message we sent up in that uh, corn, um, corn circle. Why communicate in that way? So if they can uh, decipher all this information we've sent up, why not kind of write in, in words? If they can decipher that, why why could they not um, get our language as easy? Okay, um, that's a good, good uh, question. So from what Gary has sort of investigated and told me is that, you know, if if the universal language 
for any species is math, right? Um, yeah. One thing that we constantly see in these glyphs are symmetry and geometry. And geometry is math. It's just number in space. So uh, the number two or the number three is a triangle in space. The number four is a cube in space, right? Um, and what we constantly see in these is communication, language in math. And also we see reflections of where we've been in history and where we're going. Uh, so for example, we see signs of um, our technology. They, they show signs of our technology. For example, um, you know how there was the Chilbolton crop circle, the, the Arecibo reply? That showed up right next to a, if you look at the Chilbolton, uh, look at all the full photos on Google for that, that showed up right next to a saddle uh, to a, um, a radio telescope dish. Okay, so it's almost like saying, hey guys, we got your message from a radio telescope and we're putting it right beside a radio telescope in reply. So um, they're trying to speak our, our language, right? But if you're dumbing down the message and just putting, I love you, or hey, we're from, you know, this star, uh, we're from Venus and we care about you. I don't think it's going to have as deep an impact. I and, don't know. If I woke up one morning and there was a, a crop circle which just said, I heart you, like, but uh, you're also, but I you're think also, that'd be kind of sweet. You're, you're also saying that basically, if you do that, you're, you're basically saying, well, we can't decipher if this is made by man or not. But if you make it with geometry and you make it incredibly complex, beautiful, and it has an underlying message, then you're saying the authors of this is not are not man. The authors of this are some intelligence that's greater. And I think that's the yeah. purpose. You know, if you put I love Lucy, then somebody's gonna say, okay, somebody's a pop uh, you know, fanatic and wanted to pull up some 1950s sitcom and put it into the middle of a field. But if you're putting something like the Arecibo message, you're saying, whoa, what's this? Who are the authors of this? So Ronald, you should say that though, because I believe, isn't it the kind of radio waves which kind of would travel the furthest quickest? So like some of that pop culture stuff could have been yep. the first things which aliens uh, have seen yes and and that's the fact like we are spamming the cosmos with <laughs> our television and radio signals from history um there's there's people that believe that organizations like seti search for extraterrestrial intelligence and other uh establishments that have set up radio telescopes to receive messages like this are receiving information but they're not keeping it they're keeping it from the public um, and so people will also argue like, why would they do a crop formation when they have, or well, when we have NASA, uh, research institutes like SETI that should be receiving this. But if you look at Seth Shostak, he and his organization since the beginning 
have said every single message or mysterious bloop we've heard from the stars is nothing. Nothing. And we have, you know, the uh, massive uh, telescope array that's across South Africa and Australia. And you're telling me that this is the surface area now of the of a whole planet. And they're not receiving any information or seeing anything that the public should know about. I don't think so. I think I think that some of these research agencies that are supposedly just working for public, uh, like NASA, I believe that part of their mandate is to not leak information to the public that may be destabilizing. And I, see, I will say this though. Extraterrestrial and, and UFO related information is destabilizing to many people. I will say this though, Darcy, the one thing you've put in my head, as well as all this wonderful information is, I now have got this image and I think this would be inexplicable if overnight we saw, instead of crop circle, just interlacing hearts all over a field, you're telling me that would be explicable? Come on, that would be a beautiful message to mankind from the stars. Yeah, it would look like somebody uh, mistakenly sent a bad WhatsApp message. <laughs> but, hey, come on, uh, there's got to be some aliens out there who just want to show the love. But I, I'll add one thing to you know one of your questions you asked earlier um, in terms of this phenomenon. So people say the orbs, like why the orbs, you know? And I think the orbs or these other light flashes that we've seen uh, possibly be responsible for some of these crop glyphs or these agroglyphs showing up, I don't think that they're, um, you know, a craft. I think there's some form of technology that we don't understand yet that um, is remote, is kind of like a drone. You know, we, we have all kinds of drones. We've had drones since the SR-71 days, you know, that are remotely operated and and have a task of observing parts of the planet uh clandestinely like very secretly and then maybe self-destructing or or taking off back to a base but um if if you are an intelligent race i'm sure at some point in your evolution technologically you're going to create drones that are able to do things that we don't even understand yet and Possibly these orbs that we're seeing are examples of drone technology because you don't you can't imagine a pilot being inside of like this sphere of light that's like this big, right? But you can imagine that somebody's maybe sitting way off and they're intelligently controlling that technology to do a, a specific thing. And you know, I, I think that's more logical what those. Um, objects we're seeing are uh, on a kind of similar note it seems and i i am aware especially since it's featured in the documentary that uh, there can be crop circles in a number of different countries around the world but it seems to be there's a great concentration in the uk and and in england uh is there anything to which you owe that yeah so the idea here is a continuity of messaging if you have a friend, for example, that you're deciding to start a conversation with and you decide to connect with them on WhatsApp 
and after about five sentence of, sentences of dialogue, you decide to switch over your conversation to Facebook Messenger. They're going to be like, well, that's weird. Okay, I'll, I'll type them here. But then after five sentences there, they decide, okay, I'm going to move this conversation to email. And you're like, what is going on here? Then they move after five sentences of dialogue from email to text message, you know, SMS. The history and the communication of that 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 story gets a little bit lost, right? And you're probably going to aggravate your friend, you're going to confuse them, and they're going to seem disinterested at one point and not want to continue this conversation or continue with this dialogue. I think what happens here, what we've been seeing, if, if we believe that this has been happening for a long history in the Wiltshire area, um, we have to believe that this is a continuity of messaging. Whoever's leaving these intelligent messages are trying to say, we're here, we're watching you, we see what, what's, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going, and we're, we have some empathy, we have some compassion towards you, and we want to continue this conversation. So that's my explanation for it. Gary okay. King's explanation of why it happens here than uh, predominantly anywhere else in the world. His theory is that this is where really the modern civilization uh, and farming was born. Uh, you know, some people will say the Sumerians created, you know, agriculture, but really what they had was just gardens. Um, it wasn't mass industrial farming like we know. In the UK, in the Wiltshire area, is where we clear-cut forests, we laid massive crops, and it was through those crops that the British Empire was able to spread around the world, invade parts of India, you know, and continue to grow crops there in that same fashion, and amassed wealth and created a uh, empire that networked the whole world. And, and you know, we are, you know, I, I'm from Canada. I'm part of that Commonwealth. The, the Australians are. The United States would not be the United States unless some Brits said, hey, let's go put some plants in the fields over there. And I and thank so, you for reminding them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what I'm trying to say is, whoever's been watching us has sort of seen that the history, the modern history of mankind has really been born from this farming in the Wiltshire area. Yeah. And it's possible that they know if we start this continuity of messaging there um, and continue it there, it will have a more lasting, long lasting effect. And it, it still does, you know, I think my question, only question about that would be then, if they want consistency in messaging, I, that, that I understand that. However, you know, the, these aliens are obviously intelligent enough to kind of um, grasp so many concepts about us, yet they either haven't got or are ignoring the fact that we have all these different sovereign states which kind of believe different things, subscribe to different governments, all this sort of thing. Yep. Why would they not want to kind of try and contact as many different you know, the different people of the earth. Well, there have been um, stories of crop formations all over Europe, 
Australia, yeah. the United States. Uh, I was on a um, radio podcast the other day with Whitley Strieber, and he went to a crop circle in Texas, uh, which it, it again it showed these examples of symmetry. The plants weren't broken. Everything was still growing. They were the first people to walk into it, like this type of thing. It's the same sort of phenomenon, but in another part of the planet. But, but there's um, less of them there. There's less so of them. So why wouldn't there be kind of like the same amount if they? So either it's one thing or the other. Either, either they're keeping that consistently in messaging to the to, to England to kind of keep that, or they're doing it in more places. And why would there be more in one place and less in, in the others? I guess. I think also um, just because the continuity thing. I think because you know if you're going to have your primary me primary uh, messaging to be in one place where people, where it has amassed uh, a huge amount of attention, you know, like I said, in the nineties, it was at its peak. Then Doug and Dave came forward, debunked the whole thing. People turned their eyes away from it. And, you know, to this day, uh, many people just think it's bullshit, but, uh, unfortunate that's unfortunate because, it's never stopped. The phenomenon has, if anything, grown and, and people are still traveling over to the UK to see them as they appear. Um, and like I said, it's a, it's a continuity of messaging. They're, they're still going to leave some forms of uh, messaging in other parts of the world. Uh, for example, UFOs don't just appear in the United States. Um, people think that UFOs are some kind of mass delusion that's created by uh, paranoid Americans. But, you know, in the UK, you guys have the uh, Bentwaters incident, which is a Air Force base uh, that had a UFO fly over and land and shoot uh, light into nuclear uh, storage silos and stuff. So, and this has been well reported, the Bentwaters incident. Um, um, and, you know, it was American, uh, installation in the UK, but I think the Americans are the most hostile, uh, military in, on the planet. But, um, you know, you have the Westall 66 incident that happened in Australia, mass daylight sighting, uh, one or two, possibly three UFOs. One of them landed behind a elementary and high school in 1966, just outside of Melbourne. Um, students and teachers saw this, it was reported in the newspapers and it had the same, um, you know, the, the exact same sort of cover up uh, facts that we hear about many of these cases. The Royal Australian Air Force showed up at people's houses the next day and said, there's no such thing as UFOs. Don't talk about what you said. They took away cameras. They took away footage. You know, every uh, trope that you're used to hearing about. And um, one science teacher that appeared in the newspaper was threatened that he would lose his teaching career if he ever did a newspaper paper appearance about this again. Um, and uh, where else? China. There's been airports the, that have been shut down in China. Then we got to kind of start wrapping this up. Yeah, but yeah, but what I'm saying is it's not it's not just some like the phenomenon like this happens everywhere, but 
the really interesting messages, the really good history that we have about crop circle glyphs, these agroglyphs showing up, have happened by vast majority in the UK. And we can speculate why, but my thoughts are it's a continuity of messaging and they may have been seeing where we've come from and they're comparing where we've come from to where we're going. Darcy, thank you very much for all this uh, wonderful conversation, this debate. I think it's really important. Uh, I think it's very important, especially these days on any subject, to debate things back and forth and not be entrenched in our own opinions. So thank you very much for that. And I know it's always kind of like uh, interesting to come in against a skeptic. So, so I appreciate that as well. Uh, where can they no, find you're very, circles? you're very kind, and you know you've allowed me to be super long-winded about my opinions because that's what they are in the end. Um, but I'm sticking to them, and and I really appreciate, uh, you know, your ability to be kind at the same time as uh, debating. Many people are not able to do that. There's a lot of jerks yeah. out there, and and uh, uh, be happy to discuss this stuff anytime with you. Um, if they want to check out other films that I've created, some some folks that have tuned well, in. Where can it. they find Crop Circle Realities, and when is it out? Um, this has been out since March 13th, and um, it's on many different cable and satellite uh, providers like Dish Network, Verizon FiOS, Cox Cable, um, and it also is on Google Play, iTunes, or uh, Apple TV, I think is what it's called, many other streaming platforms as well. But if, if you go to my website, occultjourneys.com, you can watch the trailers for my films. And if you click on the poster for one of my films, it'll take you through to a site to stream it. Um, many of my films are free if you have Amazon Prime or uh, Tubi TV. Fantastic. And uh, we are going to have to have you back on for a talk about cryptics, if nothing else, because I find that fascinating. Sure. Uh, yeah. Darcy, thank you very much for joining us tonight or this morning for yourself. And uh, guys, thank you very much for watching. If you want to catch any of this that you might have missed in audio form, please do listen to the Dr. Scree show on the bear.live. That's on Thursday at 8 p.m. I have a car in which I have lost. I have lost any ability to do half the stuff I usually do because we've recently switched to a new streaming service, but I will work it out for next time we all meet. Uh, Darcy, by the way, yes, this is going out on radio this Thursday. Is there a particular song you'd like to hear going out of this interview? Um, particular song, maybe a song by Chami. I think it's called Afterlife. Chami is T C H A M I. Okay, so after a lot of furious googling, if you're listening to this on the radio, you will be hearing Chami right now. And I am really sorry to cut that tune short, but unfortunately we're vastly running out of time on the Doc Scree Show tonight. Unfortunately, with the technical issues we uh, endured at the beginning of the show with my board going blank, um, we just ran out of time. So thank you very much for joining me tonight. Thank you to all my guests. Thank you to Nicola for joining me. And please check out Crop Circle Realities now wherever you stream films. I've been Dr. Squee. That was my show. And remember, in a world where you can be anything, please... Be kind. I'm not trying to win. I'm not doing this because I want to beat someone, because I hate someone, or because because I want to blame someone. Not because it's fun. 
God knows it's not because it's easy. It's not even because it works, because it hardly ever does. I do what I do because it's right, because it's decent, and above all, it's kind. It's just that, just kind. Hey, you know, maybe there's no point in any of this at all, but it's the best I can do. Why not? Just at the end, just be kind.